Good day and welcome to Is There Anything Else I Can Help You With? This is a podcast for professionals in the customer service or customer experience industry who are currently managing, developing, or improving their own customer service ecosystems. I'm David Wilson. I've spent more than 25 years in the customer service and customer experience world, and this particular topic came up as a suggestion from a new connection who listened to the previous topic, so I'm happy to oblige on this very, very meaty subject. I will give my disclaimer that these are my opinions backed with some time spent in the world of customer experience, and I don't consider myself perfect, and you may disagree with some or all I have to say, and I welcome any feedback you might have. You can reach me at david at gettheedge.com. That's david at g-e-t-t-h-e-e-d-g.com. And I would appreciate it if you would subscribe to this podcast series. And if you've got suggestions as well, I'd love to hear from you. In this episode, we're going to talk through how to choose the right key performance indicators or KPIs. Got to have your acronyms. How to choose them for your customer service organization to measure success with your operation, but especially with your customers. We're going to talk about two different levels of KPIs, how to think through design with a couple of stories, implementing them into your ecosystem, and then go through some ideas on how to drive performance. Now, listen, everybody needs to know how performance rates. It's just a natural human condition. When you were a kid, you had school report cards. Hopefully today you do annual medical checkups, or maybe you should. You get performance reviews at work, and look, even my energy company sends me regular health reports on my utility usage. So it's only natural then that you should need to know how you're doing as a company. Your vendors need to know how they rank, and agents on the front line need details to rally around and targets to reach. And just overall, you need to have confidence that you have a customer service strategy that exceeds your customers' expectations. KPIs will provide clarity into where you can improve in your customer service or customer experience performance, how you should continue to push performance further, and how to tweak along the way. So let's get into it and start with an understanding of the types of KPIs we're going to talk about here. First, we have what I'll call hero KPIs. These are the very top-level metrics that your company has defined as the way they judge success. They can vary based on the type of product or service your company provides, Um, and there are a few hero KPIs that come to mind here that you probably already know and use. Customer satisfaction, or CSAT. Maybe you're in a net promoter score or NPS environment. Both of these metrics are measures of sentiment, which is a very powerful customer metric. A similar type of metric that some businesses believe in is likelihood to recommend. Quite possibly you are more focused on first contact resolution as it may drive your business results in a way that a sentiment-based metric may not. Sales organizations might be most mostly focused on conversion. The decision on the hero metric will likely be out of your control unless you are in the decision-making seat for your company. If you are, hey, let's have coffee. I actually love to hear more about your choices and, by the way, you're buying. I've worked with a few different models, and at the end of the day, I have faith that those who create and dictate the metric have the right information to make that choice, so then my focus goes on how to support that through the next layer in my customer service environment, which then leads me to the category we're going to spend most of the time on right now, which is performance metrics or performance KPIs. 
These are layered down metrics that help to define the hero metric in an operational way. They are linked to the hero metric and are an indicator of process health of your customer service interactions. If part of your top-level organizational goal is efficiency, then you might be likely to consider performance KPIs such as service level or occupancy or staffing adherence. If your goal is satisfaction, you might think about a top box percent or maybe a, a percentage of bottom box experiences. Maybe a strong indicator of satisfaction is the ability to solve the first interaction, so first contact resolution is your goal. The performance KPIs will support the top-level metric, but it's not so easy to say, here are the absolutes that you should choose. Each business is different, and understanding what the performance KPIs should be will take a little thought and perhaps some experimentation or deeper analysis to understand if the performance KPIs are the right ones. If you're mathematically inclined, then I liken it to an A plus B plus C equals D relationship, where the sum D is hopefully assured by meeting A, B, and C. I also refer to these as drivers versus outcomes. I'm a strong believer in the concept of drivers versus outcomes. You have much more influence on the path to an outcome of an interaction than the final assessment of the outcome by the customer. It's not as simple as saying, okay, I've done what you want and I followed the right procedures, so give me a top box score. That's not what I mean by A plus B plus C here. I wish it were that easy. I remember seeing a study from Gartner a few years back that indicated the actual amount of influence an agent can have in the interaction in the moment is not even the majority of the customer's determination of the final score. The study said that out of the 100% makeup of the overall, that the agents were only responsible for 47% of the outcome. Think about that for a moment. The other 53% of the score is attributable to everything that has happened up to the moment the interaction begins. It's actually a really mind-blowing way to think about the task of delivering a great experience in the moment. Either you're going to deliver less than previously and potentially blow up a loyal customer relationship, or you might be, able to, you might be about to take on a customer's baggage from the entirety of the relationship to that moment. This is a lot of pressure on our customer service teams, and they may not even be aware of it, and actually likely aren't. So let me reiterate, there is a difference in the outcome versus the journey to get there. You can have more influence on the drivers than you can the outcomes. For, for example, if your company has a focus on CSAT, then that is the outcome. But you can't ask an agent to chase after that outcome. It's not in their hands or capability to lock in on a CSAT number. There's no magic formula or reliable way to get there. That's up to the customer to decide. But what you can do is to figure out what drives the best results for customers and then create some metrics around that to help the overall customer service team understand what would reasonably be assured to get them to the right outcome. If I have done my homework well, I should be able to pinpoint a few impactful ways that I see from, say, five-star or 100% survey results that I can then transform into performance KPIs that will reasonably get me there. And listen, if I don't know what moves the needle, I can't expect the front line to know either. 
Let's create a bit of an analogy that might illustrate this. Your customer has asked you to take them to the mall, and your CSAT rating will be based somewhat on the outcome of getting to the mall. It's now your job as a customer service professional to get them there in the most efficient way with the highest level of satisfaction in their journey. Those are the top-level KPIs. It's not the customer's role to plan it out. They are simply a passenger here. The elements of the journey are your responsibility as a customer experience strategist to meet their need. The car is the modality or channel you choose to offer. Hopefully, it's a vehicle that's the right match for the customer. It might be good to have a couple of options, but not too many. For example, if your customer expects a BMW and you give them, well, let's just say, other than that, then it will likely impact their experience with you. I would say the gas might be your knowledge management and maybe your training. You want to go at the right speed on the road, which might be your handle time. You want to observe all the traffic rules, which could be process adherence, and you don't want to forget anything at home and have to go back first contact resolution. Arriving at the mall is just the outcome. It makes the customer happy, but they will be heavily influenced by the journey to get there. Your sentiment on the journey will be tied up on a number of inputs along the way. Was the route efficient? Did we go at a pace that's comfortable for the customer? So many things will have an impact on the way the customer feels about the journey, and there are many things under the agent's control along that journey that you can hopefully make easier for them. But listen, not all things are the responsibility of the agent here. For instance, the weather is an important factor in this particular analogy, and the agent has no control over that. For instance, if it's a sunny day, maybe that signifies the status of the customer's relationship with your company. It's a happy day, the sun is shining, the roads are clear, and it's a straight shot to the mall with very little bumps along the way. You get your customer to the mall and drop them off at the main doors, and they say thank you and move on. Perhaps you go even further to satisfy them by driving them right up to the door of the store they want, and you give them a 20% off coupon in their hand. There will be a lot of sunny days and excellent driving conditions in your company's day-to-day, and, you know, frankly, we should be thankful for that. Because, listen, it's not always sunshine and lollipops out there, people. Bad weather conditions can make the journey more treacherous, and tensions could be high. This could mean that coming into this interaction, they have a difficult history with your company, and the agent interaction will be influenced by that. Increasingly with more digital and self-service options, the shifting complexity curve of customer interactions has trimmed the types of journeys you will handle in your customer service team. There could be less sunny days out there as a result of increased digital offerings, and that means your experiences can be harder to navigate both at the program level and more importantly at the agent level. Harder to navigate and harder to be great. Look, this analogy could go on forever, but the point of this is that there is so much that can go into the sentiment of a customer that it's impossible for you to control all of it. If you don't own the entire outcome, then why put all of your focus in trying to do that alone? It's better that you focus your efforts into what is going to help your frontline optimize for that specific moment, which means looking beyond the hero KPI. And this means focus on what you know will drive towards the best outcome. 
What do you know about your interactions that help you to create drivers that will be reasonably assured to have a positive impact on the outcome? An extreme example might be something like this. You've done some research on what really makes the top satisfaction happen in the scores from customers. The result of your research shows that anytime there was a laugh in the phone conversation, it resulted in a top box outcome. So you can reasonably be assured that laughter drives the best outcome. It won't always, but it reasonably tells you that laughter might drive the best outcome. So then it would also seem reasonable to create a focus in the driver KPIs to understand what percentage of conversations had laughter. It would also make sense to include it on your operational scorecard and create some focus on the entire team to push the laughter factor and score higher. Uh, Let me tell you another story to illustrate a very different metric where I've actually helped one team think about this differently. Once upon a time, there was a customer service team located in the beautiful Philippines that was having a difficult time getting to the right quality score. The score was hovering around 60% with an expectation of over 85%, and look, the needle was just not moving. When we talked about their scores in depth, there was a common element I was seeing in the output that drew my attention. The team had a much higher than normal percentage of auto fails in their scores. For those that might not know, in some quality assurance systems, some errors are so egregious that if an infraction happens, it's an automatic zero score or what we call autofail. Scores of zero are mathematically not helpful when trying to reach a goal. Also, they distract, it distracted from the fact that the experiences that the, the team was delivering weren't terrible. It was just that their percentage of autofails was around 20%. So, of course, trying to get above 90% overall in QA was not going to work. So I challenged the team to think about that specific KPI, something that, to be honest, wasn't really a traditional KPI. But in this case, accumulatively, the impact was undeniable. So the driver in this case was autofail percent. And we determined that the right amount of autofails to get a 90% plus QA score mathematically had to be less than 5%. Now the team had a KPI that they could watch and manage. It was not just present at the site level, but individual team dashboards also had to show team level results as well. Plans were made to understand what was causing the autofail the most. And that wasn't the same for every team. There were changes made at the strategic level where perhaps it didn't really make sense to result in a zero score, so we did our part on the program side as well. And individual plans were made with the agents to hold them accountable for their autofail percentage. As a client for this BPO, I also added the KPI to my operational scorecard so I could monitor progress myself and let the team know that this was a huge priority for me. We talked about it in many, many meetings. The result here was a pretty significant reduction in autofails, and then the QA score reached goal. Focusing on that specific driver of the low scores in this case helped the team understand more tactically what they needed to do to improve. Otherwise, it was, you know, simply just tell me your score this week, and the focus on the overall was directionally not helpful um, to the team on the ground. So let's think of some of these other drivers out there. If you have a phone program and you want the best satisfaction level, then what drives your customers to that top score? Is it an efficient conversation? 
There's a lot of research on, on customer effort out there, and I'm a big believer in the lowest amount of effort you put your customers through, the higher the appreciation for your company, and then the higher the loyalty. To that end, in a phone situation, for example, one metric that I'm kind of addicted to is callback rate, not first contact resolution, although it could be seen as maybe a subset of that. But if as a customer you feel the need to call back within 24 hours, I most likely see the reason as additional effort because either A, I didn't get the right answer the first time, or B, I don't feel like the answer was confident and I just wanted to check, or even worse, C, I was promised something that was actually not followed through. Another potential driver for me for phone effort is the call flow itself. Putting customers on hold is an everyday practice. It's not one I like, but you know, sometimes it's needed. However, the amount of hold can be a problem based on the complexity of your program. I want to make sure that there is an appropriate time for hold and then manage to it and then manage it down over time. Hey, listen, if it's an email program, maybe I want to make sure effort is managed by monitoring reopen rates on emails. There's nothing worse than a back and forth in email. It immediately makes me want to just pick up the phone and solve it that way. So the lesson here is to take the time to understand what drives great outcomes in your business and focus on those drivers to get there. It's important that your teams can clearly see the connection and performance management activities can be planned more effectively. But don't go overboard on the number of driver KPIs. Boiling the ocean is never a good plan. Stick to the most impactful few to allow for proper focus and energy on the team. Generally, somewhere between two and four KPIs at the team level should suffice to understand how you're doing. More than that will dilute the potential to impact and also will be very confusing for your customer experience teams who will then lack a focal point for their team, for their folks. Don't go into metric overdrive. Also, and this is, this is important, you will need to live with these metrics for a while. You can't change the entire program weekly or monthly. If you've done the research and are committing to these metrics, you shouldn't change in the middle as it causes huge upset in your ecosystem and progress made might be progress lost. So now let's talk about implementing these KPIs in your business. Making it all happen is about effective communication of the drivers, tracking towards them and understanding how to safeguard against poor performance. Communicating out on the performance of the drivers depends on the audience. Top-level execs may not be as interested as their focus is generally on the top, the top KPI. But the amount of visibility from that point moving down the line should increase so that at the team level and agent level, they are not only talking about it daily, but agent scorecards should include the driver metrics as a measurement of effectiveness for the agent. Most of us will already have some visibility on the production floor to the top-level metric, but consider giving some real estate on your production floor to the drivers as well. They should most certainly be visible within any team scorecards or dashboards. Coaching should be in place specifically to help the lower performers. Talk about the drivers often. Get everyone comfortable with them, and they will become very skilled in how to help their teams. And so let's think about why this is important. 
First of all, agents, they need to understand the drivers here because, look, they need a blueprint to great experiences almost any more than any other group. Folks who deliver customer interactions want them to be great, and they need your help to get there. If you think about their team leads, they need them because individually they're managing 15 plus agents for you. And during team huddles, they want to coach both at the individual and team levels. And their team board should have the same result and the same visibility and even maybe with a few high performers listed for kudos. And overall, vendors need to understand from you how to get the quality of support out there that you want according to your direction. They're great at managing teams and ensuring service levels are met, but specifics on how to be great from the content has to come from you. Also, they want to make reward targets and will figure out how to operationalize your drivers on the production floors and maybe also put out some marketing um, to help. The vendors or BPOs here will uh, be potentially be a great source of continuous improvement for you as well. Their proximity to the delivery of the experience using your drivers is an incredible source of local intelligence for you. At some point as a business manager, you might hit some plateaus that you see in the drivers, which might then result in some gathering of intel from the teams to understand why it might not be moving and what you can do to help. And then finally, I think about your stakeholders. They also need to understand how you're thinking to ensure that you have operationalized according to their intent. Maybe product people need to understand how you're thinking as well. There's no end to the need for information on your performance KPIs. So communicate often and communicate consistently. So now you have the top level KPI. You have your drivers. You're communicating out and managing the performance through various actions and business reviews. You're seeing some movement on the drivers, and as an extension because you've done your homework, you're starting to see some positive movement on your top-level metric. At some point, there may be a need to iterate, and it's an important part of this formula. Don't get stuck in what you do today thinking that it should be the same for all time. If you're finding the plateau of improvement and, and performance is not going higher, it might be time to rethink the strategy. Maybe take a larger snapshot of performance over time to see if there's anything different in a longer view of time than a shorter period. Maybe the drivers have reached their limit of capacity to change results and it's time for new drivers. In the auto-fail case that I talked about earlier, that metric's actually no longer necessary. No one's focusing on that one because the scores reached goal and it was no longer driving performance gaps. So think dynamically about your performance KPIs. What you need right at this moment may not be something you need six months from now. Maybe there have been external influencers on performance or new products or more digital servicing to avoid the need for service. Just as business needs change, so do your performance KPIs. And if you haven't looked at them in more than a year, it may be time. Especially if you're finding some gaps in your outcomes. Don't be afraid of iteration. It's a necessary strategic decision you should review on a periodic basis. Test the upper limits of your metric by offering a time-based incentive for the front line. Nothing drives agents more than the opportunity to earn more. I remember once doing a customer experience champion program where we had a bit of budget to splurge on the teams where top box customer survey scores earned a raffle ticket and at the end of a four-week period, we were able to award some pretty awesome prizes. 
I personally, I love to participate in these uh, reward and recognition times for agents. But listen, for me, it was also about seeing if the program was going to have a Red Bull effect on the front line where we could test the upper limit of satisfaction. And also just what kind of percentage of the entire team could reach new levels of excellence. I, look, I, I don't normally recommend paying for CSAT, and that's what this might sound like, but it's really not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that for a very short period, if you offer up a special incentive that's wrapped in the right cover, you will see agent energy build and you can learn a few potentially powerful things. What is the true upper limit of your CSAT? You're going to quickly see whether you've selected the right targets for your business. And you can use the outcome from the incentive to redefine what that bar should be. What is the true percentage of agents that when sufficiently motivated can be in that range? Once you understand how your overall workforce can up their performance bar, then you might want to consider finding ways to keep it there. For example, if your CSAT target by percentage is a number like 85%, or on a star basis, maybe it's four and a half stars out of five, then you could negotiate with your vendors to think about percentage of agents above that number for a reward within your contract. Incentives overall are a powerful motivator for both agent and management, but Use this trick sparingly. Don't over-index on special incentives. You don't want the message to the front line to be deliver outstanding results only when an incentive is in place. I'm a total fan of the performance-based culture, but it has to be thought out in the right way, and that's a bit beyond the scope of this episode. Stay tuned for more on that one. (laughs) And then another important outcome will be to determine who doesn't perform well during the incentive and should potentially be found a seat on a different bus. If agents aren't performing well, even with the prospect of adding significantly to their income, then there's decisions to make. The fact is not not all agents are the right fit for your program, and that's not a comment on anyone's ability. I'm sure there are no end to the number of ways a customer service professional acclimates to a program, but it doesn't always mean a true fit happens. This is a finding for the manager of the contact center, not you, either internal to your company or externally with the management of the contact center company, but as a program owner, you should be looking to continuously improve your overall results, raise the bar, And along with that, upping the expectations in the risk and reward clauses in your contract, that's where your focus should be, and then holding accountability appropriately. Now listen, this was a lot of information, but it's such a huge topic that we have to draw a line on it somewhere, and this is it. I'm not going to get into this, but hey, a really important next level question is, shouldn't these drivers factor heavily into your QA program? Pause for impact. Anyway, listen, thanks for listening in again. Um, I'm pretty passionate about this topic, as you can see. Maybe a bit longer than I wanted to keep your attention for this episode, but I really appreciate you listening. My name again is David Wilson, and you can reach me by email at david at gettheedge.com. And if you like what you heard today, please show your love by subscribing to this series. To sum up, we talked about the difference between drivers versus outcomes. We talked through some case studies. We touched on implementing the KPIs into your ecosystem and the importance of iteration and testing. But lastly, don't forget to celebrate. Reaching goals is such an awesome time to take a moment and recognize everyone for their contributions. And if there's nothing else, I'm going to let you get back to your day. Thanks, everyone. 